You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, boys and girls, guys and gals, children of all ages. Uh, as we sit down here for Locked On Browns, obviously a couple days off here. Uh, soccer tied me up here as we're putting an end to his put to the year. Uh, but, you know, the weather's nice here. Weather's popped in Jersey, uh, so... Lots of play, lots of makeup. So closing that out uh, last night, a little date night action. Guys, Rocket Man, if you get the opportunity, go see it. Uh, the Elton John movie. Fantastic. Really good stuff. Uh, we are brought to you tonight by your for your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound by Hotels.com. We want to thank them for being part of tonight's sponsorship. Don't hate like your friend's trip. Book your own with Hotels.com and we get awarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there. Do that. Get rewarded. Uh, as always, hands-free, whether it's in the car or at home with your Alexa, whatever. Play podcast, Locked on Browns. Have the latest episode brought up for you. Pete Smith joining in here. Uh, as I said, guys, a little bit of hiatus. Uh, so we're going to get to some stuff here. This is something we wanted to get to. You know, that I saw, I liked, I wanted to get to, which we're going to jump in here to. Um, obviously, Mike, Mike Clay, Fantasy, right over at ESPN. Uh, we've already used Mike before when we tried to do the uh, prediction uh, over-unders as far as you know statistical lines for obviously everybody on the Browns' offensive skill. But uh, Pete, so he went and predicted all 256 NFL games for the season. I mean, this is what you do when you're these type of writers and you drive, you, you write these long, insane pieces and drive yourself crazy and then you know open yourself for ridicule later from 32 fan bases because that's always the way it's going to work out. Uh, we're going to take this seat a little bit one by one, but Pete, first things first, it's a really good sign from Mike Clay if you're looking at it from the Cleveland Browns standpoint. Well, he, uh, I mean, the, the, the first thing he did was he put out like a, a, project, a projection of all the results, and then he sort of backtracked and put up what he thinks their win totals are going to be. But both are good, uh, but the one just happens to be a lot better than the other. What was it when, what was it when he went? For, uh, straight away from this, what was it? So the first thing you see is the one where he went twelve and four. Yeah, and then he came back and it was like nine point seven and you know six point something. Okay, okay. See, well, I mean, you've got to. I mean, and we've talked about this. You got to figure that spit the bit game somewhere in there. You lose one, you probably should have won. And then there's the fact of you know, hey, you know, it's great that you won seven last year after winning zero the year before, but. Pete and I, we tried to emphasize this a lot here, guys. It's probably a lot easier to get from zero wins to seven than it is to get from seven to 12. So, I mean, it's going to be fun to watch it all play out. Uh, first and foremost, though, Pete, uh, you know, week one, obviously uh, Tennessee Titans. Week two, New York Jets. And gets gets the ball rolling. I mean, if, you know, obviously what everybody would hope for, you know, on paper look like two winnable games. But, you, you know, you head into week three, uh, you know, facing the L.A. Rams at 2-0. and Right, so you know if they're going to come out and get a get off to a good start, uh, certainly those are games that are very winnable uh, against. You know the Tennessee Titans are, are going to be competitive, and now you've got a game that looked winnable before, and suddenly looks a hell of a lot more winnable now, uh, given the recent uh, Jets complete blow up in their front office with everybody on their way out, basically taking every shot possible creating as much division as, uh, as, as you can imagine uh, between Gase and virtually ev- every player on the team, which is prompting all these reports uh, of every basically everybody's on the trade block and all this other stuff, which is you know stupid on his face. But 
it does you know it does create a a set of hurdles that they're going to have to get over and that's one more challenge that they have to face and you know going into that second week you know they, they it may impact their whole season and certainly if the jets are going to be better it certainly seems like they're going to be better as the season rolls along and not come out hot uh tennessee maybe at their best at the beginning of the year because that's when Mariota would theoretically be as healthiest and then it's all down from hill from there but yeah, if they can come out for 2-0, and obviously even 1-0, uh, everybody's going to feel great about the Browns because they haven't done that in so long. But 2-0, and obviously getting get people into you know stupid areas of uh, confidence as far as how, how well this team could go. But looking at the schedule and everything with that, that's pr- a pretty ideal scenario to sort of get them off the, on the right foot and brace themselves for what could happen uh, the rest of those first six weeks. Yeah, and that's what you're looking for. And you know, obviously, uh, you know, the, the fun one yesterday was, you know, uh, you know, and with with, with Gase, it's you know, in Miami, it was his guys, so he's the one that ultimately ended up getting canned because these were all the guys he wanted in place. And now, where it looks like, you know, he didn't have much say in anything of the players they brought in, and I, who was I guess John Clayton. Ah, I wouldn't surprise me if they traded him already. So you hand him thirteen million dollars and eat some dead money, but trade him before Avery takes a snap. Uh, be the best po- thing possible if you're Le'Veon Bell. That's a dream come true. It's as if you sat out again another season and you're getting paid for the whole thing. Right? I mean, in, you know, why don't you call Seattle? You know, see, I mean, uh, San Francisco. San Francisco signed the guy you wanted anyway in Seven Coleman. And uh, there you go. Just, you know, make something happen there. But, you know, it, it, it's, it does seem like an awful lot of, you know, what people, some of the people were saying about John Dorsey and obviously with Sashi. It's, you know, well, if you're here because he wanted you, brought you here, well, I don't want you then. I mean, it's just like play the hand you're dealt and figure out where you, you figure out the holes you have. But you know that it, it, the, the key is and to have any realization and asp- you know to fill the aspirations this team has. Yeah, two and zero. I mean, that's what you do. This is what good teams do before you get to your first test, which is week three, and obviously that's when the Rams would be coming to Cleveland. You know, Mike would have this as a. 28-25, uh, you know, I don't know where he's getting some of these scores, and uh, it does make me a little nervous that he's factoring in kickers here the way he is because uh, who the hell actually knows who's going to be kicking. And uh, so, well, and this is where you get to a little bit of a rough patch. Uh, you know, this would be uh, week three home, lost the Rams by a field goal. Week four, Pete, down to Baltimore, where they score 22, but yet somehow lose by a point. Yeah, I mean, uh, the score projections who knows uh i mean especially against baltimore where you know their whole team is predicated right now on defense but certainly uh that offense at least creates a theoretical challenge and how much of an issue the bronze had stopping it at the end of last year with lamar jackson in place so you know right now the the ravens even with all of their offensive struggles and the amount of will sees and and uh, you know how this is going to play out type deals you do with that offense that defense is in a really good position to be carrying them and they do right now look like the biggest threat to the browns in terms of who you know if, if you believe the browns are, are are good and and you know favorite or contending for the division or whatever Right now, the Ravens stand out as the team that it, it looks could, could give them the most trouble. Yeah, uh, look, I'm not I'm not ready to buy 
Pittsburgh. Uh, I'm just not. There's just, you know, you're going to have to ask John Connor to do it again. Um, now you're going to have to ask the passing game to rebound without Antonio Brown. Everything, you know, all of it on Juju Smith-Schuster. If the passing game doesn't hum, can the running game offset the difference? Uh, you know, I, don't, I just, I don't know. I, I, I just don't see it yet with Pittsburgh, um, you know, where the Browns added Odell Beckham. And as much as Pete and I love Justin Lane, uh, Justin Lane ain't ready for a guy like Odell Beckham. Not many rookies are. So if you want to throw two corners on him, three corners on him, uh, it's still a huge, huge concern and mismatch. Uh, and that brings you and this is actually kind of funny too, Pete, because they're getting this NFC West. You know, obviously that's the NFC team this year. They're getting three out of the three out of the four done by week six. Week five would obviously be at San Francisco. Mike's got a 25-24 win for the Browns. Uh, following week, Seattle comes to Cleveland. Cleveland with the 27-23. If they can get four and two, Pete, out of the first six weeks, this will get insane. I mean, it, first off, everybody will go back to loving them again. Um, there won't be assholes like Chad Forbes of the world. And, dude, you are a freaking snake. You are a snake. And don't say somebody hacked it when you're ripping Odell for what he wore to a fashion show. Dude, don't even try it. You absolutely tweeted that. Everybody knows you tweeted that. Yeah. Um, it's it mysteriously look like every other tweet he's ever made. So, whatever. Um, I don't know why anyone follows him. It's you know it's a a well, well, optic well, situation. Well, apparently, eighty nine hundred of them are bots. So, um, but uh, yeah, look, San Francisco is going to be a bitch. Uh, going out to the West Coast is just difficult, and, and you know that's one of those things. I don't know where the the projections factor that type of stuff in or not, or if they just don't. But traveling to the West Coast is a problem, and it's a real challenge. As Browns lost to the Oakland freaking Raiders last year. And dropped uh, a boatload of points on them and still lost. Yeah. You know, if, if you can lose to the Raiders out there, you know, it's, it's just difficult. And uh, I, I'm not buying Jimmy Garoppolo at all. I'm still not convinced he's better than Nick Mullins. We'll see. But the 49ers are better uh, in, in terms of their overall talent level. Uh, but they are counting on a lot from some new pieces, uh, not just rookies. They've obviously signed some free agents, which makes things a little more interesting. But they are counting on some some serious contributions from the likes of, of Nick Bosa and perhaps Debo Samuel right out of the gate. They've got a lot of interesting toys. It'll be curious to see how they're able to sort of get them going. And again, the fact that this is, you know, relatively early in the season. I mean, week five is is a decent ways in. You're, you're, you are, you've passed the first quarter, uh, first month of the season, so things should start getting sorted out. But they are a team that's sort of figuring things out, and, and there's a lot to sort of deal with in that, and you don't know when some of these guys are getting a rhythm, particularly a guy like Nick Bosa and some of those things. But, look, I, I think on talent, the Browns are better. It's a question of are, are they going to be able to rally quickly enough uh, you know, from from that difficult stretch, Rams at home, and is it at the Ravens for that one? That would be uh, the first one. First one this year is in Baltimore. Yes. Yeah. So you are going from all the way to the Atlantic Ocean, out to the Pacific Ocean, over the course of a week. Uh, two difficult games after a, a a really tough home game. That's a difficult stretch. It's just brutal. And if they can get through it, 
you know, two and four, I think they'll be in okay shape. Three and three, good shape. Four and two is, you know, at that point, it's it's start getting your playoff tickets ready. As long as everybody's healthy at that point, they'll be they should be cruised the rest of the way. But that's that's a really good spot to be in. And then well, here's even the better part of it, though, is is you're going to get that talk is going to go on for 13 days, Pete, because it'll you'll head into the week seven by week eight is New England. And, I mean, you're never going to get a 415 game that's going to get more hype, more pump. I mean, nobody will talk about what New England's doing week seven. I don't know if they're on the bye or not. It doesn't matter. But you're going to spend 13 days talking about this epic battle, week seven, Brown, you know, well, Cleveland, here we are. It's four and two. You're going to face New England. It's and just everything that could go into that storyline. And it'll be big, and if you know you can get to four and two, which would be an absolute dream scenario, if you're John Dorsey and the Cleveland Browns, you sign, you would take that right now, whatever, you boom, four and two, absolutely, let's go from there. Uh, so it'll make it interesting. And we've we, we've talked about this game a lot, and you know, obviously, you know the, the the basic terms, litmus test, and the you know, see where you're at, place at the table, all that stuff. For me, Pete, it won't be so much about week eight with New England. It, it'll be, you know, it'll be January versus New England. That's what you're looking for. But you're going to want to see it. You're going to see where your product is, again, you know, basically stacked up against in what is the best thing in the league going right now. So, yeah, I mean, whether you're two and four, three and three, or four and two, uh, you get to catch your breath in that bye week, which is really well placed. Uh, for for what this team is going to go through, and then everybody is going to make this into that you know that measuring stick game. My question: the the Patriots won't, but I'm curious if the Browns themselves will be able to avoid it. Uh, These guys do have a habit of you know sometimes. I mean, they got no problem talking. In in a scenario like this, you might bite off more than you can chew when it's New England. So, like, you know, if if the Browns are in a situation where they're four and two, and they, you know, they go to the bye week and they're getting prepared for the Patriots, that that could be a game where they come out feeling themselves a little bit, and you know, that's a big game in terms of national television and all that. And then Belichick comes out with with Tom Brady and company, and basically knocks knocks you down, takes the wind out of your sails a little bit, and, and brings you back to earth, which you know will suddenly get. You know, people talking about how the Browns are overrated and and not that good and, you know, fluke or whatever. But, you know, that may serve to refocus them and all that stuff. But at the same time, it could be damaging uh, to think you're better than you are uh, and get popped by a team who is clearly well-established as being great. So, you know, there's going to be a lot with that game. Uh, the, the question is, can the Browns sort of avoid falling into a trap where they make it into something bigger than it really is? And if they do and lose, how are they going to sort of bounce back from that? And I'm not worried about guys like Baker Mayfield, but it's more other guys like that. And I think they should be able to be okay through that. But it is at least something to sort of keep an eye on. Uh, but again, four and three through that stage of the season would be great. Yeah, I mean, because you look at it on paper, the game, you know, I mean, Baltimore, you know, I, you know, obviously you'd like to sweep everybody within the conference, but you're going to have some hesitation, obviously, you know, with Baltimore last year, you split, uh, you know, had a good shot at maybe, you know, doing something there week 17, but 
they're going to be somebody you have to watch for. San Francisco, obviously, wild card, but New England, that's going to be the one, and you know that's going to be your ultimate match in this 2019 regular season. Uh, then you're going to follow it up in a, another trip to Denver. Um, in Denver can do whatever they want, Pete. Uh, I, I I I don't see how. And he has this one closer. I think it's another 23-21. I, I just don't see after the off-seasons that either team had where you, you just don't feel st- even stronger about the Cleveland Browns and probably even less knowing about what's exactly going on with the Denver Broncos because here we are with Joe Flacco. We're going through the same thing we went through last year. I'm not here to mentor him. I'm the quarterback of this team for now, yada, yada, yada. And if Denver goes 2-5, and five, guess what? John Elway's going to want to see his new toy. Uh, yeah, so... Look, again, traveling out to Denver has been typically a very bad deal for the Browns uh, going years and years. Fortunately, they do have just last year's sort of uh, look at. And Which I don't was a know, short week. Yes, and I don't know why they're going back-to-back years into Denver. But nevertheless, uh, that does become a very winnable game. And certainly, again, they've been there. They have the recent experience to sort of be able to, to point to uh, and hopefully – come out of there successfully uh, and hopefully maybe with a little more breathing room than last time. But again, that is, should be a very winnable game. The Broncos do seem worse uh, and the Browns seem much better. Uh, that's one of those where now they've got to go out and, and, and prove, prove that they are not, you know, they, they can go and consistently beat that type of team teams. They should be. And look, you know, obviously, you know, Philip Lindsay, nice player, uh, you know, Flacco, you know, the, the second year receiver should take a step up, but, I, and, and there's still the whole Chris Harris thing, which thing you know more and more that Chris Harris is going to be there. And again, this is going to be another one of those teams where it's, you know, it is just that simple. You start at the top. All right, what are you doing about Odell? And then there, you know, even if you got the answer for it, there's so many other weapons here, guys. There's so many other weapons here. Um, as Pete gets ready to tell us about the fine folks over at Blue Chew, today's show is brought to you by Untuck It. Dads come in all kinds of shapes and sizes, and so should their shirts. Like tall, short, slim, relaxed. Ever wonder why your father's button-ups look so long and baggy at the end of the day? It can be hard for guys to pull off a casual, untucked look that isn't sloppy. That's where Untuck It comes It is in that fits just right. Their shirts are specifically designed... To look great, untucked, and feel comfortable at work or on the weekend, no tucking or tailoring required, go to untuckit.com, promo code NFL, and get 20% off. And we thank them, again, for uh, either contributing contributing and sponsorship of Locked on Browns. Peter? Oh, oh, all right, right here. <laughs> so, uh, Blue Chew. Uh, blue like the color blue. Blue like the city of New York blue, because blue as in the Mets have lost like five in a row. The Knicks lost the lottery. But on the plus side, uh, Jeff's date night was brought to you by the good folks at Blue Chew, which is always important. Uh, <laughs> it's the first chewable with the FDA-approved active ingredient, as Viagra and Cialis, so you know it works. Uh it can work anytime, day or night, on a full stomach, as I assume it did for the Lloyds. Uh, and since it is chewable, it, it can work up to twice as fast. So you'll be ready whenever an opportunity arises, like after after an evening with the missus and, and you find that the kids aren't at home like uh, and you have some time. So the opportunity arises at the Lloyd household, 
and hopefully uh, you're 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 up for it. Uh, you 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 perform like the lottery pick that the Knicks wish they got, and you play like the uh, you wish the Mets would. <laughs> Stinking ass Mets! You can't you go you get shut out two days in a row, but a freaking my Florida Marlins, Florida Marlins, and yesterday Saturday was a classic leadoff double, and you don't get another hit. It reminds me of uh, the Major League and Harry Doyle. One hit, one goddamn hit. That's all we got. Yeah, thanks, Mets. Great weekend. And obviously, thanks for the fine folks over at Blue Chew. And that, Pete, obviously now uh, for, you know, after the Denver game with 5-3, and three, which would have you, you know, headed into, obviously, week nine, the second half. And now this is what where this would be fun to talk about because, obviously, the week nine game, obviously the Buffalo game, this will be uh, Kareem Hunt as long as everything goes Correctly, his, uh, I'm sorry, not his return, his debut as a Cleveland Brown. Um, I do want to say one thing, um, you know, for him today, baptized, whatever, you know, keep doing the positive. But I do like the fact, Pete, that your head coach, your general manager went there. Look, I, I just hope this is a thing for everybody. And even if it's something small, somebody's guy, somebody's, you know, girl's having a baby, somebody's wife's having a baby. It, it, it shows good things when your GM and your head coach can show up to some of these things and, for me, that's what I, I want to see. I, I want to see. I want to see the unity factor, and you see that everybody's kind of got the same common goal here. Uh, yeah. So it's good on the buy-in front from coach and, and GM. Obviously, they are invested, and because if this goes badly, it's going to fall on them, as it should. Uh, from Kareem's perspective, I, I, I'm not going to get into the religious angle because you know if you're you know, there, there are people who certainly have faith and, and, and believe in all that stuff, uh, it, it, whatever faith you follow. And there are people who can cynically look at this like, you know, it's an easy way to sort of look the part of doing doing things the right way and, and all that stuff. And, and, and you may look at it as a, sort of a ploy to, you know, buy him a little bit of slack, for, for lack of a better word. I don't really care. Uh, what I what I like, I, I, and I, I'm fine with this. You know, I'm not. Whatever you're going to do to be a better person is great. I hope this is all, you know, legitimate and and he's doing it with all the best of intentions and and, and thoroughly believes in this. More importantly, from my standpoint, for Kareem is the stuff he's doing out in the community. Yep. Um, he's not. He, he's going to schools, he's, he's, he's doing some community events, he's trying to give back to an area that is near and dear to him. He's a Willoughby South graduate, uh, so he does have obviously ties to this area, both good and bad. Um, the, the thing I wish Kareem would do, and it's not his fault necessarily, is because he is a, a person that the media wants to talk to, and I, you know, as you would, if you're in that position, you want to ask this guy questions and, and sort of get a sense of where he is because he is a story uh, for 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 all those things and, and, and trying to hold him accountable. I, I wish Kareem would get in the habit of ending what he's saying about a sentence earlier than he does. Hugh Jackson, uh, I Because there are times where he says good things, said good things, says good things, and then says something where you're, you, you're, now you feel like you're being sold something. Like in the case of you know saying that John Dorsey knows that's not me. It's on tape, man. I don't know who it is. It's if it's not you, it, like it's clearly you, and that type of stuff. But you know, hopefully, this continues to go down a good path. 
and they can have it be redemption story. That you can't ever trust him, but you can hopefully keep working with him and, and, and putting him in a situation to allow him to make the best decisions possible. As you are with a guy like Antonio Callaway, and, and players of that ilk uh, that could be very, very good for for the Browns. And certainly, again, looking at it from the cynical standpoint, you know this is very valuable to Cream to be on his best behavior because if he's you know, he, he convinces people that he's somebody they can invest in. Uh, he's on his best behavior, and he has a good second half of this year. It's He stands to make a ton of money on it. So, you know, we'll see. So keep doing what you're doing. Hopefully it continues to go the right way, and, and we don't find ourselves in a situation, whether it's in Cleveland this year or with somebody else in a couple of years, that we're back to where we are, uh, where we were with this video thing. But – with the Buffalo Bills, um, the Browns should be able to beat the Bills. But on a larger point, I like the fact that the Browns are playing the Bills this year because it gives them, in addition to playing the Ravens week four, it gives them another team that theoretically is going to play a similar style in terms of the quarterback's legs are going to be a part of the game. Yep. And you have to account for that. So it gives them three chances to sort of be ready for that or you know two for to rehearse for that last Ravens game because it's not out of the realm of possibility that the Browns even if you believe they're going to win the division I certainly do that if the Ravens are just sneaking there in the wild card you could end up seeing them in the first or second week of the playoffs so you'll for that third time and you will have had that many opportunities sort of prepare for it and this is going to be something they're doing for years, it is not like the, you know. Be, I, I don't see them, you know, having this year play out. However, it's going to play out, and suddenly pulling the plug on it. In fact, you know, there are quarterback prospects that I'm already expecting are going to end up in Baltimore by virtue of the fact that they're running this, and they're probably going to get get them off on the cheap. Derek King and Jalen Hurd stand out immediately. Uh, that they are guys that could theoretically. Jalen Hurts. Jay, yeah, Hurts. That they are guys that could theoretically go much later in the process, by you know, and we'll see. Maybe freaking Oklahoma will have another Heisman. Get that <laughs> it's, it's possible, dude. But stylistically, they're they're the type of guys who who may not be as preferable to the typical NFL team, and and they're able and they're and you know, teams aren't drafting them because they want them to change positions. And the Ravens are basically like, don't worry about it. We'll take you on day three at the end and start getting quarterbacks on the extreme cheap that are very talented for what they want to do, give them depth and, and just keep them loaded. So I really, you know, I really like the fact that the bills are on the schedule because I do think it benefits them when it comes to playing the Ravens and getting good against that style. That's going to be here for a while. And it goes back, you know, and obviously just like, you know, college football and whether it was Georgia Tech or, you know, some of the military schools, every now, I mean, playing those teams, A, number one, it's a pain in the ass because it's not stuff you see week in, week out, but it takes the ultimate amount of discipline and, you know, there's things you can kind of forget about and get away with, you know, you know, backside pursuit, but I mean, when these teams and what they're going to run, and that's, it's A, it's, 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 Good job. I mean, what you need from the coaching staff because you kind of need to, you know, as you take it as a present situation and kind of say, all right, well, everything we did for the last three weeks, just throw it out the stinking window. Completely different this week. 
and uh, so it, you like that. And the other time is players need to be challenged. You, you need to mix it up a little bit to keep you know the the brain going, whether it's in meetings, whether it's on the practice field, and realizing that it's a different opponent who's going to bring something completely different at you that you haven't seen in a while. You know that's it's always a good check of where your team is at as far as you know what, what the work they're putting in film wise or you know in the you know obviously in their you know positional meetings and all that stuff so that is interesting and uh, you know guys Pete is not wrong here because I mean when we were covering the quarterbacks and I mentioned I really like Tyree Jackson and Pete said look even if you never develop him put him in Buffalo or put him in Baltimore and where's Tyree Jackson right now in Buffalo and they got him for nothing they got him nope, as an didn't even have to draft him. A six foot yeah, five so, quarterback who can throw the ball a country mile runs what in the four fives. I, I, I'd be stunned. I mean, if something happened to Josh Allen, I'd be stunned if Tyree Tyree Jackson is not playing this year. Yeah, I, I think that's that's part of it, and and that's why I think the Ravens will keep drafting guys like that. Is is it's going to happen? You're going to be in a spot. Trace McSorley can run that offense, uh, and he may throw the ball more accurately. So, <laughs> you know, there, there there there's something to be said, and and I've you know this is something I I thought. A team should sort of really do if they're going to do it, go all the way. If you had, you know, like when the Bills drafted EJ Manuel, they should have gone all in with it, uh, and and like signed Michael Vick when he's available and, and, and gone that route. So, if if teams are going to really go all the way, it's great, uh, and and you're going to be in good shape because there's always going to be guys that are available because teams don't believe in them from that standpoint, uh, and and want them to change positions. And if they don't, then they're going to be available. So. You know, you know, Keenan Reynolds could be a guy that ultimately gets brought in by the Ravens at some point. You know, there, there are guys like that who are just going to be able to plug and play a bit. Uh, and if they can throw, uh, then, then they've got the ultimate package. But, you know, it, it just allows them to continue to take shots every year at a quarterback position, maybe get really lucky and hit on a big one uh, you know, in the fifth or sixth round, like the Packers would do when they had Brett Favre and they had Ron Wolf as they kept drafting quarterbacks and, and they kept getting guys that get ultimately shipped. The Ravens are in the opposite uh, situation. that They're not going to get guys that are likely to be traded. They can freaking cut them and sign them off the street regularly because nobody else is really doing this uh, right now other than maybe Buffalo. And even Buffaloes are a bit different than the Ravens in that Buffaloes are so much bigger. Yeah, I mean, you, I mean, you're basically, you know, almost tight end sized quarterbacks with good athletic traits. Um, that'll take you to, uh, you know, uh, week uh, week ten, ninth game of the season, Pittsburgh Steelers, and now obviously Pittsburgh. It'll be twice in three weeks. First one at home this year, second one in Pittsburgh. Twenty seven, twenty four win. Uh, look, I mean, these are the games. This is it, and it, Pete has mentioned this a thousand times. Until they're dead, until the wooden stake is driven through their heart and soul, and you know they are dead and buried, this is what it comes down to in the AFC North, if you're the Cleveland Browns. Can you beat Big Brother in Pittsburgh, well, you know, in Pittsburgh, at home versus Pittsburgh? This is it. This is still the one. This is you now, and you continue to knock off most of your opponents. This is, it's just another thing about taking this even more national with positivity and Look, as much as they talk the talk, now they are literally walking the walk. Yeah, uh, you know, Ben Roethlisberger is is claiming he's going to play three years. Uh, Miles Garrett, Olivier Vernon, Larry Ogunjobi, Sheldon Richardson. Challenge uh, accepted. <laughs> yeah, you know, they are going to do everything they can to make sure that's, you know, less than that. Um, and that's going to be a big part of it is, is you know, the, when they can 
take that when they can take Roethlisberger down and he can't extend the plays, which has been the kryptonite for the Browns uh, any number of years, how many times they've been in a position where they could potentially win the game and Roethlisberger would do something to sort of keep a play alive and then find Antonio Brown or whatever and just kill them. Uh, they've got to sort of finish the deal. And the best, in addition to winning uh, and putting themselves in position to make the playoffs, the best way to make sure the Steelers aren't in the playoffs is to beat them twice. So that becomes a really important game for them because that is, you know, the Ravens certainly are a team I think is more uh, dangerous for, for what the Browns are dealing with, but the playoff experience of the Steelers is more uh, problematic, I think, if both are in, in uh, playing each other in January. So it would be really nice if they could take care of business and ensure that there's no threat of that happening. And God willing, because Ben Roethlisberger is a giant baby, uh, and they have so many issues with that, that if they beat them and hopefully take them out, that they that the Steelers will essentially crumble before the season's over and basically pack it in, uh, as they've been known to do. So get that win. Try to make sure they, they, they want to shut it down earlier than later. And which would probably lead to that three years becoming a lot shorter window in Pittsburgh finally saying, look, it's time Another to... presser of him complaining about how he should retire and all this other shit. And it might just be time to say, you want to know what, bro? We're bringing in somebody regardless, so if that's where the way you're going, that's the way you're going. Uh, this gets you here too, Pete. Now, moving on from here, uh, this will be the Miami game. But you got a nice stretch here, Pete, of there's some cupcakes in here as you close out the 19 regular season and it starts here with Miami look you know good for Josh Rosen uh if he's the starter I mean who knows exactly how Miami's going to handle this uh but even still there's not there's not much there for the kid to even work with so the question would be you know are you going to risk him when there isn't much there because now maybe you know the you view this guy could be your guy for a while and he ends up getting hurt which is what some people's knocks kind of were on him you know how much punishment did he take while he was at UCLA but you know, this is you know, I think Mike has it at 29-18 but I mean you're, you're talking you're talking a 31-14 at worst this this should be a mauling in what should be a bunch of maulings in these final weeks of the 19 regular season uh, given what the Miami Dolphins are as a team and where their strength is I would hope that the Browns the, the Browns go into that game with the hope of running the ball 50 times uh, they have a secondary. Uh, they have nothing else. And they have questions on offense basically everywhere. Uh, so that is one where they hopefully run the ball 50 times for about 300-something yards and just beat the shit out of them. If they, in that game, I hope they bust out the wing tee, chicken wing, anything else they want to do and just run them into the ground. I hope they look like, you know, freaking Georgia Tech in that one. Uh, just hand the ball off a bunch of times, let Nick Chubb, and at that point, Kareem Hunt, just run them down like grass and, and, and don't even bother uh, other than some play action stuff with uh, the passing game. Just go ahead and just just run them run them down because they've got nothing uh, in, on that front seven. They've got Christian Wilkins now, Raekwon McMillan. I mean, they, they, there's just not much there where you're sitting there going, oh, man, this looks good. So just beat the hell out of them quickly. Hopefully shut them down on offense, come out with a, a very – uh, physical victory where they just physically dominate and, and ultimately ruin the opponent. Yeah, and uh, you know, obviously any player on the roster, uh, you know, worth a 
salt is, you know, by mid-third quarter, removing pads, you know, getting themselves a beverage of choice and sitting up in uh, cheering for some guys who don't get to play so much. Then you come back, obviously, I'd said Pittsburgh twice within three weeks. Mike's got this as a 27-24 Steelers win, which would, guys, at, at four, this would be the final loss on the schedule, according to Mike. But uh, this one's probably more important, Pete, than the home one, because you want to prove to yourself if you are this legitimate that you can go into Pittsburgh and you can walk out with W's in hand. Right. Uh, and, and you know, this arguably is the last big regular season game, which one is very arrogant by me saying it. I hear it right. I hear it as I'm saying it, but <laughs> it's, it's like the last big road game they have because you know, November is, is, a decent enough month in terms of challenge, but you know December is a joke. Uh, maybe the Bengals will be good, and I think they will be, but I, I think they're going to be bad and, and maybe already done by that point. But uh, you know that last Pittsburgh game will be, I, I think, regardless of where they are in the standings and all that stuff, I think it'll be a big game to sort of you know prove to themselves. Proved to everyone else that, that, that that's the type of game they can go in and win. It's different to win it on the road than it is at home. Take it to them. Potentially at that point, maybe taking them out of contention or really, really uh, either making up ground or giving yourself a lead to sort of make sure you're in position to uh, be in the playoffs because that what the month of December should be essentially rocket fuel. Yeah. Oh, no, no doubt. I mean, and now we're going to get to December and – you know, for you know Cincinnati at home, uh, Mike's got this 27-20. I'll tell you what, on both these Cincinnati games, uh, Mike, I appreciate you doing this because it gives us a chance to do an episode. But uh, if you're going to tell me the Browns after what they did, and I'm not knocking that Cincinnati, you know, did did some things to improve the roster, but after the the whippings that the Browns put on the Bengals last year, to tell me between these two games, the Browns are only going to win. They'll win both games, but it'll be by a combined 10 points. I'm not going to believe that for a second. But, you know, uh, obviously week 14, which uh, week uh, 14, which will be the Browns' 13th game, uh, beating the Cincinnati Bengals 27-20. Yeah, so, you know, and, and all these projections always don't really have blowouts because it's based on averages. But this is a game where they should put, you know, put them down. And, and this is what happened with the Bengals last year is they went out early, uh, got a three-touchdown lead, and sort of let them back in the game at the end. Uh, You've got to be able to, and I I think the the upgrades they're making to the secondary, hopefully it works out that way, uh, are there to close, and they can finish those games. So they aren't, you know, taking their foot off the gas early, then having to put it back on late to sort of secure a victory against what should be a very beaten opponent that, may already be looking ahead to 2020 at that point, especially the veterans on, on some of those units, like the receivers and defensive linemen. Yeah. Yeah. And, and look, and this, you know, there'll be a lot of questions here. Look, AJ Green isn't a man anymore. I see Andy Dalton. There's always some sort of issues going on health wise. And who even knows, cause I mean, they played him earlier than that last year, but it, it'll be, it'll be interesting, but I, I, I don't, see a threat in either one of these Cincinnati games. So we'll probably skip the and he has the the season closer at 25-22. But um with Cincy, but there's a lot of factors obviously when it comes to week 17 and 
it could be one of those where who knows you know how much it means to the Browns if it does mean anything or not. But then uh, 14th game, week 15, the trip to Arizona. He's got this as 24-23. I don't see a shot in hell at that. Um, it's not that we're totally down in Arizona. It could be fun. It could be interesting. I, I, there's just not enough on defense yet. And, you know, you have Larry Fitzgerald who's there. Granted, first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, but you could get another year of, you know, a nice reception total, not much yardage, not much touchdowns. David Johnson, you have no idea. I, I, I can't imagine that a well-paid running back is at Arizona is going to want to do with the way they're going to do this offense. And, you know, Pete, with Kyler Murray, there's, there is, the biggest question is, is, is going to be the durability thing. And can he, you know, make it through NFL seasons? And when you're talking the week 15 of the NFL season, you know, as a rookie, and there's going to be a lot of bullets flying fast at this kid, and he's quick, and he is, but, you know, not so much time on the field. And he's, it's going to be interesting to watch. There's no way around it with the Cardinals. It'll be fun to watch. It'll be interesting to watch. It could be somewhat good, what would be under their terms of what would be good, five, six wins. Or it could be two and 14 with some bells and whistles that look good at times. Yeah, I think they're going to be an entertaining, awful team, uh, and it comes down to the offensive line. I don't know how they're going to block anybody. Uh, you know, assuming uh, Kyler Murray's around that long uh, again, another team that sort of helps them in terms of playing against running quarterback style. But if he's not injured at that into that game, I wouldn't be surprised if he leaves injured in that game because the Browns are just so much faster uh, and and better up front than most teams. Uh, that they've got so many guys that could could put him out. Uh, you know, he, Miles Garrett has about a hundred pounds on him. Um, that's and is you know really really fast. Maybe not maybe not quite as fast as him, but he may feel that way when he's or six five and that long with those long arms. Um, yeah, I, I, they are very 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 young on offense. They've got some. People- and and by that point in the season, it, it remains to be seen if how many of them are going to be engaged. It's possible that they'll, you know, get a little bit of a spark and and be fighting for some games in the end of the year. But again, if if they can't block or they you know suffer some offensive line injuries, that thing is going to go into the tank quickly. I suppose the one benefit is your offensive line is so bad that losing one of them won't matter because replacing them with the guy who's equally bad isn't really a drop-off. So you've got that going for you. But I, I, I this again, the, the fact that it's on the road, you can't overlook it, but this is a game where the Browns should be able to go in and take care of business, and, and hopefully they, by that point we're, we're talking about a business trip as opposed to a game that you know could be a trap game. Still there? When you're going to Arizona that late in the season, you're not going to be sad about that. You're you're going to be looking forward to it. There could be six inches of snow on the ground in Ohio, so you're going to make that trip. And and there is the obviously there is the Kyler Murray factor. Obviously there is, uh, you know, obviously the head coach in Arizona now factor. So uh, you know that might be one where Baker's going to be like, guys, don't worry about it. I got this. And uh, that might be one. That could, in my opinion, that might be Baker's most electrifying performance. And the other thing is, is Patrick Peterson, even in, you know, as he makes it through the suspension, still might not even be there because they're. If if you're going to play the first six weeks 
with some of these younger guys, you might as well just say, well, what's the point of even keeping Patrick around at this point? So, and maybe just move on and, you know, continue to acquire assets. Uh, well, you know, we, we, you know, the week 17 will be Cincinnati. Obviously, we covered that. But then it'll be week 16, Baltimore. And look, this is where it could be in, you know, th this game could be huge because obviously a division incompletion, you know, complicated, you know, implications, playoff seeding, all that stuff. But, you know, you're going to want to close this out and close out what will be a strong, you know, AFC North. But, I mean, you want you want you want five and one. You want six and zero in this division this year. You want to stake your claim here that this isn't just pretty and a whole bunch of dudes. This is a really, really good freaking football team. Yeah, uh, if things go the way this suggests, you know, the, the Ravens could be in must-win territory at this point. The Browns could be... And I'll tell you what, you know, I don't know if you want to see that offense it, it, with that type of pressure on it. Because you, you saw what happened for the first three quarters against the Chargers last year. When it was a pressure situation, you know, the, it, people made accommodations to what they ran on offense, and they weren't quick enough to adapt. And if they don't let Amar, Lamar do enough... You can't just say, "All right, well, we we can't, we got to stop screwing around. We got to throw the ball." And if you don't let him do that enough, you can't just put the onus on him in pressure situations to just step up his game. I just don't know if accuracy is a, a second half adjustment you can make. Um, so that I think that's just going to be an issue. It's going to be a challenge for them entering year two. Um, but yeah, this, it's a home game. It could be a potential. Uh, must-win game for either side. Obviously, this projection has the Browns sort of in a in a, in a good good spot. But you know, even if it, if it's not, it could essentially could be a dress rehearsal for another playoff game, or, or I should say, a playoff game with them, the third matchup with them. Uh, it, it's your last, you know, potentially likely winning team you're going to face this year, um, and an opportunity to sort of. Get your get your ducks in a row as far as understanding where you are as a football team, building your confidence, getting all those things lined up for if you're in position to make the postseason and and being able to sort of you know enter week 17 uh, and and which hopefully is going to be you know largely a dress rehearsal or if if even that to get you ready for you know that that first round of the playoffs or you know maybe they'll have two weeks off if they can get a bye. Yeah, and uh, you know, you just this is where you've got. You, there's just so much going on with so much talent brought in, and look, you know, they can try to squash the hype that's around this team. It's just not going to happen. And even those who were, oh my God, the Browns are going to be really good. I think now it's just become the popular thing to kind of just bag on them a little bit because you know maybe maybe the story's gotten too big too fast. It's one way to stop it off and keep it all positive and keep everybody speaking positive. Go out there and just smash teams on Sunday, Monday night, Sunday night, whatever it is. Today's show is brought to you by Grip6, where the goal is literally make the best belt that's ever been made. Grip6 is an easy, thoughtful gift for dads, brothers, husbands, uncles, grandpas, and even moms and wives. See our women's collections. Ultra lightweight with no holes, no flap, and it carries a low profile with the buckle laying flat against the waist, making the belt super comfortable a, Grip6 is the only belt with no holes, no flap, and no bulk. Grip6 has a special offer for you at grip6.com slash lock, L-O-C-K-E. Thanks. It will feel a bit early on. It'll feel, it'll feel, it will feel, I like, a bit early on. 
but it's really important for our client services to understand that we're pushing these products because they're coming out of their ways for us. So go ahead as Father's Day gets closer or whatever, you know, you summer birthdays, whatever. You know, you need something for someone, something simple, whatever. Grip six belts, go ahead, check it out. The uh, slash promo L-O-C-K-E lock iTunes rating reviews, guys, are always essential to the show and always help with the growth. And I appreciate you guys. So do me a favor, go over here, drop a five star, drop a written review on iTunes. Thank you. Got a couple of questions before we start to put a bow on this one, but uh, Mike Clay over at ESPN, uh, obviously, thanks for the uh, think piece that was able to give us you know, a, a great talking point here today, and we'll roll on over. we got a couple of questions we can get to today, so we're certainly going to squeeze those in for our fine listeners, and as we do that, we have first one is Sam Penix. Uh, Sam, good kid. I've mentioned him before. Uh, there was a Reddit discussion on this um, in regards to Kareem Hunt. Um, would you rather tender Kareem Hunt at the end of the 19th season at a second-round level and get a late second in return for losing him or tender him as a first-round level, keep him for 2020, and get a late third comp pick in 2022? Me, personally, it's it, it, obviously if Nick's healthy, and I think, you know, I, I just don't know if I'm going to want to pay Kareem a boatload of money if I still have Nick Chubb. So for me, it would be move on from Kareem as soon as possible because I think he wants to get his money back. I think he went to a situation where he had some people he could trust, and as long as he did everything on his end, they know. You know, I think he knows that John Dorsey will give him the opportunity on the field. I, I don't know if I see it as a two-year thing with Kareem Pete. No, I'd let him get out sooner than later. Uh, that's one of those things where you know you you signed him. And everybody's telling you it's a no-risk deal, even though it isn't, um, you know, in terms of your credibility as an organization and all that stuff and, and potentially jobs on the line. But don't, you know, it's, it's – don't push your luck with this on that front. But also he's not as good as – he's not as talented as Nick Chubb, and you can get another running back. He's not, he's and, not, a, better, he's not a better runner, but he may be a more – he may be more complete in that he's a better receiver, but it's not that Nick – didn't show promise in that aspect last year. So you've got to, you've got to let him move on, get whatever you're going to get for him. That could be, you know, again, thinking in terms of the four-year window, that second-round pick is going to be more useful for to you than another year of, of of Kareem Hunt to me because that second-round pick is likely not going to be a tailback. It's going to be something. If if, if that is indeed what happens, uh, that. Second round pick could be another different, could be another corner, could be another offensive lineman. All these things are way more valuable than a second running back uh, when you have a really, really good first one. Unless there's some like, you know, an injury situation or something else that's unforeseen, there's just you can draft a running backs and you can get another guy to, to help out Nick Chubb. This is obviously uh, going to be a better running back class than this past one because this past one was about as dreadful as it gets. Uh, but yeah, it's it's what is more useful for you? Another year of a second running back, even if you're very good, or another potential cost-controlled player at a position that's more valuable. Oh, no doubt about it. Uh, so for me, yeah, it would just be move on. But but that's going to put you to ten selections in the 2020 draft. Um, and even you know, if it could be two late round, second round picks, obviously you know all your picks should be in the 20s. At worst, but also it gives you am- ammunition to go up. And if you decide that it's left tackle 
is the dire need of whatever becomes of those 10 draft choices and whatever position may be if it is defensive tackle or if it ends up i don't know linebacker whatever with say picks 29 and then what you know 60 and 61 whatever do whatever you got to do between those three picks to make sure that you get the guys in the positions of need that you get and then work it from there so for me it would be one and done and and i do kind of agree like you know with all these guys i'm bringing in with some of these you know some of the baggage they carry is you know the odds are and it's it's just a fact guys the eyes the odds are that some of these guys tend to go back to being a little knucklehead in what they do so you know don't sometimes you know lay with it too long you know because sometimes you lay with a dog too long you end up with the fleas so that's one you get you know you got to be careful with in that scenario this one, uh, well, let's save that one for last year. Uh, Giovanni Ruiz. Um, yeah, uh, he brought up Jermaine Whitehead, and it does seem like he, he got a lot of buzz this past week at OTAs um, as far as the you know, nitro linebacker safety thing. Thoughts on, yeah, it's hard to tell. I mean, you know, even still, any of the stuff that you're getting in OTAs or even camp, it's lip service. It's great. You like to hear things about, you know, some, some names that you don't know anything about. But until the lights are on and it's an, it's an opponent and not just something against, you know, teammates until then is when you're going to put some lift service to us appropriately and but a guy like whitehead look there's there's room in the secondary for a guy or two to to get a gig if they ball out yeah i mean it's one week of otas which doesn't have pads on uh which is fine um and and certainly you know one one good week of otas means you're you're going to be there for at least one more week of otas um I don't know if it means anything. It may be an experiment. It may be uh, the fact that somebody else that, that would be there uh, isn't there or is you know, not physically ready to do whatever they're asking them to do. Jermaine Whitehead's track record is nothing to write home about, and you're, you know, it may be, maybe he's figuring something out that he you know, hasn't done in his past couple of years, but more than likely, uh, you know, he's going to be a guy, I, I don't think, you know, maybe he'll make the team. I, I tend to think he won't. But, you know, so long as you can strap, you know, you, you can you can piece together good several good weeks. I mean, one good week of OTAs um, could be one of the more forgettable things you, you, you see of a player. So nothing really matters until you get pads on, but certainly it's better to be good than it is to be bad. Um, so you're always going to take the good stuff and hope that that player, in this case, Jermaine Whitehead is going to build on it and maybe continue to show things. Uh, I would, but I'll be curious to see because, uh, media is only really there on Wednesdays, I think. Yep. Um, so, you know, if he's still, is he going to still be there this coming Wednesday or, or, or are they even going to be still messing around with that particular package? Um, these are things to sort of keep an eye on, but so far good for him. And it may, may, may be that they caught him on that particular day, uh, doing that thing. And maybe it was another guy doing it the other day, but certainly good for him for this week. Hopefully he can keep it going. Yep. Uh, you know, and look, I mean, at this point, you know, this is kind of what happens now. You get a couple of storylines. Obviously everybody's all over Callaway, which you know, I kind of mentioned everybody, well, Jarvis and Rashard Higgins and guys don't sleep on Antonio Callaway. Just don't. Uh, footwork looks outstanding, and that is the key to all of this at the wide receiver position. And uh, last question here from Andy Pachoni. And I'm going to kick this one to Pete because, A, number one, I am not a huge movie guy. Pete, what's your favorite action movie of all time? Bloodsport! 
<laughs> I mean, I've seen that movie an obscene number of times. I, I don't know if I really have one, but I'm I'm happy to I'm happy to pimp Bloodsport. I'd love to see it remade if only certain actors could be still in it, uh, like Bolo Young or whatever his name is. But you know, it's a solid flick. It's a it's a it's a very forgettable, easy easy movie to jump into uh, wherever you're at in it. So sure, let's go with that. Uh, this is I, I'm. I'm, I've never been a huge, and I'm assuming this is probably about an end game or whatever, but it's just never been my thing. And look, obviously, I know, guys, I know I'm in the minority here. Okay, I get it. I 100% get it. And that's why, you know, whether it's the Star Wars movies or obviously all of these Marvel films and stuff like that, I'm not the one, you know. Uh, my theory there is the old Jim Croce line. It's uh, if you dig it, do it. If you really dig it, do it twice. God bless you all. Um, and the other thing for me is uh, three hours in a movie theater. Whew. Oh, good God, no. And uh, that was one of the joys of going to the movie last night, um, a 7 o'clock movie. And the movie actually started by 7.13. That was probably the part I was most ecstatic about. I can't go through 25 minutes of premieres. I, I just, I, For me, I'm almost shot. And the other thing is, is putting me in a dark theater where I can now recline. Uh, it's a good movie if somehow I didn't doze off with uh, just getting to sit still for two hours in a air-conditioned room with a recliner. and So, uh, yeah. So that's bluechew.com. Yes. Go ahead and <laughs> Mrs. Lloyd needs to, to, to keep keep that coming because, good Lord. <laughs> Pete, is there anything we missed, buddy? Uh, I don't <coughs> think so. I think, I think we're all square. I, I don't think anything too yeah. exciting. I think the entire world is basically going to wait until... Game of Thrones is over before they announce anything else at this point. And then yet again, guys, um, there's another one where I'm, you know, I am SpongeBob sitting in the cafe all by myself. It's uh, all right. You can you can go watch uh, a rerun of Cheers. Uh, we've got WWE Money in the Bank rolling here, Pete. So I'll jump wow. into that. Wow. Well, certainly, an, an, a, a an event that requires your attention and. Knowing the details and keeping track of things, and sure, of course. a bunch of half-naked dudes rolling around on a mat. Hey, whatever does it for you. Maybe um, that, maybe that is your blue chew. Um, or there's the women's division, which is very good. Yeah. Very good. Have you been, how long have you been watching wrestling? Oh, I've been in that for years. Um, oh God, years. How oh. long have have the women been wrestling in the uh, in in your about last three four years? No, Pete. These these women are no joke, dude. I, I'm not doubting they're no joke. I'll ask, you doubting, to, I'll ask you to Andrea Hanks and have her come get you. That's fine. But, you know, the, the bottom line, my point is the women, you have been watching a hell of a lot longer than ra- women have been wrestling. So you have been, uh, you've been watching a lot of half, half naked dudes roll around on the mat for a while and then yell at each other loudly, slowly. And then go through the Spanish announcers table. So, I mean, <laughs> all the best for that. Um, you know, certain maybe that's better. Uh, I, I I'm not ruling out the possibility. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to rule out the possibility. But money in the money in the bank. I, I'm sure you know that that's certainly something they can sponsor us. Hopefully, you know, Game of Thrones. They only fake die. Uh, they're actors. Whereas in the the WWE now. Uh, they are actors and still die. So, hey, they, they play for keeps. They play for keeps in the WWE. Um, yes, all you Game of Thrones watchers, 
but enjoy, guys. Again, I I never pick on anybody else's party. That's your thing, man. Go enjoy it, and it's obvious. Um, so maybe I am at WWE. Yes. So a, yeah, maybe after I post this, I'll make sure it'll be a good night to go on. Have, have you grilled? Have you grilled? Or are we still in the slump? No, we were at a communion today. We were at a communion today. It was nice. So what we're saying is we're still in the the ham the ham and do slump. Ah, apparently. According to Pete, yes. No, but I'll tell you, it was not a good day to have to throw on the dress pants and a long button-down shirt as it was 83 degrees, but a nice affair nonetheless. Um, I do want to thank Hotels.com, uh, Untuck It, Grip6, Belts, Blue Chew, all of them for the sponsorship of the podcast. I do appreciate that. Guys, obviously, uh, Pete's new written home is up and running. Uh, Brown's Maven, you know, where it's written work or he gets a chance to throw some audio up for you where you get two minutes of an opinion on something. And we all know Pete is never short of opinions, guys. So check that out. Make sure you follow him at underscore Pete Smith and obviously all the work over at Brown's Maven. Uh, the Locked On Browns Twitter account, always a follow-back account. You guys know that. It's the best way to interact with you guys, get the information that you guys want, find a way to incorporate it in the show here, answer questions, all that stuff. So appreciate you all for that. Me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Go ahead and throw a follow over there. Um, obviously, we, we the schedule will continue with a little bit more regularity now. Uh, my, my schedule is going to start to lighten up here a little bit. So, uh, you know, there'll be some days off here and there. Because, look, I mean, obviously not a lot popping right now. Anything is popping. Obviously, you will get it from us right away. Um, so don't worry about that. So we're going to continue here. You know, summer format will be a lot more active than it was last year. A lot of, you know, last summer was a little bit different. It will not be that way this year. Uh, so with that, this was Ben, your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns. <laughs>